0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films, with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse.
1: Today on tap, we have the unbearable weight of massive talent, starring Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal, Sharon Hogan, Tiffany Haddish, Ike Barinholtz, written by Tom Gormican and Kevin Eaton, and directed by Tom Gormican. Welcome back to Rise Smile Films. It's time to start a new film review cast built all around the man, the myth, the legend, the enigma that is Mr. Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Coppola. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> Yeah, Nikki, Yeah, Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I think, you know, just a few weeks back, just off the cuff, we were talking about this film in particular that came out um, a few weeks back. And we're like, what if we did a Nick Cage cast and kind of started with this and threw in a few of his other odd vehicles around that. So this should be an interesting discussion talking about a
0: truly unique actor, would you say? I couldn't take any qualms with the unique piece of that, yeah, uh, method. But this method is his own method, right? Because he's not Stanislavsky tra- trained formally. Exactly, his own method is the Nick Cage method.
1: And as we were kind of just talking um, off mic, he's kind of done it all, really: comedy, uh, romantic comedy, rod drama. Horror, superhero, action, vehicles—like, is there something he hasn't done? <laughs> Film noir? I mean, he was noir Spider-Man. <laughs> Good point. You're right. Yeah. So uh, he's kind of really tapped his 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 toe into all these different subgenres. So I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too. This is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Excellent. So here we have some more of the Suntory whiskey. This seems like something Nick Cage would drink. Maybe even promote in Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you remember in a Lost in Translation, Bill Murray? promoted the scotch so i could see cage like on commercials for this out there yeah i could too drinking that so cheers to you cheers to you all righty so let's dive right into our flight question
0: So, being that he is as genre friendly as you just stated, I'm going to give you a chance to do something I don't think we've ever done before, and that's you get to pick any three film properties that are already in existence, and you can take the leading man out of any of those or supporting if you want to go that way, okay. and recast it with Nick Cage. So yeah. all we're to, we're not looking at quality, or not looking at uh, his take on it; it's his version of that role. Yeah, three of them.
1: This was a lot of fun. It, it was, was It was just picking whether there was a good movie or a cult film and seeing, man, if Nick Cage was in there, what's the cage factor that he's bringing to this movie now? Like, wh- what is what is he delivering? So this was a lot of fun, actually.
0: Did you find yourself, as you moved through this, seeing him be able to fit in a lot of different? Yeah. yeah, yeah but, me
1: too. But every film it, it has that, like, it, it has that cage factor where he's just going to like kind of lose it and just start screaming in the middle of this role, which I was okay with. Yeah. Uh, number three for me, uh, I'm going to go from 1999, truly iconic film uh, and his counterpart in this. I, th- I think they're, they're both kind of very similar actors. Uh, sometimes uh, I'm going to displace Keanu Reeves and I'm going to put Nick Cage as Neo in the matrix. <laughs> okay so
0: then you got nick cage going whoa <laughs> that's hilarious good i love that one yeah all right I like Do you that. kind
1: of get a similar vibe from the two of them oh for sure just maybe
0: from their philosophy the way they talk about things i mean they're very both well spoken we talked off Mike about how as john wick moves forward how that's screaming for nick cage to make an appearance in mm, there. i don't oh. even know what role but some role in some that. adversary for sure that'd be cool all right number three for me Bit of a theme with this, but not through all three, but through two of them. Okay. Uh, this is the first one. I'm going to go to Jackie Brown. Ooh, okay. And I see him as Ordell Roby. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> can you see him playing that gun dealing, gun smuggling? <laughs> got it right here to my Raptor bag. Badass. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. He hasn't worked with Tarantino, obviously, but I think that that's dying to happen. He's
1: got one more to, to make it happen. Just rewatch Jackie Brown, actually. Still good. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Elmore Leonard factor, I mean, Just got a bunch of gangster people doing a bunch of gangster stuff, and it's kind of fun just to watch the journey. Robert Forrester's so good in that movie. So good in that movie. Just so underrated and never talked about in the best performance circles, but he's great. Yeah. Number two... My number two, uh, I'm going real classic with this one. I just want to see what this looks like. This is a bit of nepotism uh, taking place. So we're going to 1972's The Godfather. I am removing Al Pacino, and I am putting Nick Cage as Michael Corleone. Oh, it's so good. I thought about that one, too. Get to work with his uncle, which um, I think maybe he was in a Coppola film in the 80s. I'll have to double-check my work on, on that, but I think that did happen. But, man, can you imagine just all the shouting that Pacino does just in the voice of Nick Cage could be pretty great. Could you see him playing Sonny? No, I could see him playing Fredo, though. Yeah, for sure. Sonny's hot, but almost like irredeemably. Like, not like like <laughs> James Cotton's a hot man in his burly shoulders. Like, hot-headed. Yeah, Like, it's like this powder keg of... You almost hate Sonny that entire film until he just gets blown away at that toll booth. Mm -hmm. So I just don't see that from Nick Cage. It's kind of hard to hate him. um, Like as like a pure, pure bad guy. Uh, So I could see him playing Fredo. I could see him playing that role. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't see him playing Tom Hagen because it's a little too quiet for him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I'm
0: smart. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I can do things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But. Yeah, no, I think I think that was the role, and two, not, I think he's commanding enough, but to to be Don Corleone is a certain other aura of gravitas that
0: Brando only, only Brando, has, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So that was my number two. What about you? Number two, also another Tarantino film. Mm. This one's gonna trip you out because I don't know if we've ever spoken about this particular film on this podcast before. Okay. I'm going to go with Django and Chain. All right. And he's going to play Mr. Calvin Candy. Oh, God, that would be great. (laughs) Especially the part when DiCaprio freaks out, gets the cut on his hand. Man, I can see Nick Cage all over that. You play, but Palm's on that thing now. DiCaprio is already pretty
1: good in that role. But yeah, yeah, uh, Nick Cage just having flip outs over those guys. Good choice. Never even I didn't even consider a Tarantino film for for any of these. There's a lot of roles in there. He probably could John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, maybe. Yes,
0: for sure. That was another one I kicked the tires on.
1: Hmm. It's
0: a pretty good theme you got going here. <laughs> good, good one. This, did, I think he plays villainy well. Sure. I don't know if he's had. I mean, he's had a few villainous roles. Yeah. And some, I guess, anti-hero kind of roles. Mm-hmm. I just see a lot of villainy in him. Yeah his look
1: his eyes yeah more maybe more anti anti-hero uh you know face off yeah he was yeah the, the kind of the the bad guy until they face <laughs> swap into that film mm-hmm. uh but yeah he does he does play it pretty well he's got that look that just like crazed look that it's so memeable of the nick cage like grin sneer yeah mm-hmm. yeah my number one we know how much he wanted to be this mm-hmm He named his son after Mm. the character, (laughs) and it never happened. There's costume tests. It all died, and who knows? Mm -hmm. It could have been pretty good. Mm -hmm. Who are we to say? But for someone that I don't need a Superman is Mr. Henry Cavill. So we're going to go Man of Steel, and I'm going to put Nick Cage as Kal-El, Clark Kent, Superman in that film.
0: Yeah, I can't see any reason why that wouldn't work. Yeah. It's like a big deal for him, right? I mean, to name your
1: blood— Collel, <laughs>
0: huge deal for him.
1: Yeah, that, that that had to have been like I mean, there's a great documentary. I think it's called "The Death of Superman Lives." Yeah, the story of John Peters and this thing just going to hell with Tim Burton. That had to have been deeply
0: personal to Nick Cage that that was so close and just died at the eleventh hour. Right. The trippy bit on that is when they do the costume test with him, mm-hmm. and the that costume is so so wacky. Mm-hmm the neon lights that kind of show mm-hmm. the coursing of blood, but it's energy. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, there's plenty of clips around, and I do recommend getting on YouTube or wherever you can find it and just mm-hmm. delve into that. Yeah, uh-huh. Google Nick Cage Superman. I'm sure the pictures will will show up. And not to mention the final fight with Brainiac and the
2: mm-hmm.
0: big monster that ended up being in Wild Wild West. Yes. Oh, yeah. You, the, you heard the, that right. Yeah, that's, the steampunk spider. Yep. That's what ended up in Wild Wild West. That was going to be a version of Brainiac's... I don't know, robot killing thing.
1: I kind of want to see that movie in that blockbuster. Do you? Yeah, the heaven blockbuster
0: of, of I want to see that Superman. Superman lives. Hmm. Yeah, It would be interesting. At that time, I think it would be interesting. Now it probably doesn't no, no, play, no but no, back no. then. 98, I think? Yeah. 97? Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I think I am too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Number one for me, I'm going to classic, classic Hollywood as well. Okay. 1941. I want him to play Lon Chaney Jr.'s Larry Talbot. Mm, Nice. The original. Can't you just see him going to town on the Wolfman thing? (laughs) When he's stalking through that soundstage with the heavy fog Mm -hmm. and acting as dog-like as he can pull off, oh my God, I want to see Nick Cage. i got to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. I might want to see that just because it could be a complete disaster. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't... I mean, the part that is also really intriguing to me in that is the voyeuristic piece that Larry Talbot seems to get away with, with Quinn Conliffe. Like he is such a creeper in that film.
1: Oh no. His whole spiel is he spots her from his telescope, mega telescope. He goes over there, cons his way into taking him and a friend to the gypsy fair. <laughs> then mm-hmm. They get their
0: palms red. It is bo- beyond creepy. Yeah. <laughs> that part I can see him killing. That'd be good. We haven't seen him as creepy guy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see about the Wolfman component. He, he's he got a, is this is going to sound weird. Yeah. He has a nice shape for a werewolf face to me. It's kind of sure. oval-like, mm-hmm. especially now. Mm-hmm. like The little ladder veneers and the work that he's had done, Nick Cage. Yeah. It just plays well to, it kind of looks like the Wolfman. This bearded look that that he's got going on and his I mean, already
1: receding hairline. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. I wonder what we'd have to check the IMDb trivia. I wonder if he was ever because he was kind of box office poison. I would imagine a little bit at that time. Maybe for the Benicio del Toro role.
0: Yeah, that's really badly miscast.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a terrible casting. Well, that movie's just a disaster. Benicio should be really good in that, but it, that film has other issues as well. But that
0: would be one to do on this. The like, the wolfman remake with hopkins and emily blunt maybe yeah. around um halloween next year or around october well, we, we should do we, like the universal remakes
1: well, of we, terrible remakes well, yeah well that'd be good we've also talked about just doing a werewolf cask we could slide that in with the original and american werewolf mm-hmm. that'd be pretty fun that would be or
0: the howling and then, then we know could you love the howling
1: i do like the howling yeah mm-hmm. that one's pretty good great choices any honorable mentions
0: or too many um yeah the honorable mentions you actually took one of them i i was thinking pulp fiction um That was the one that I was playing with a little bit. Uh, I did kind of like the Godfather one. I thought about Michael Corleone a little bit, but um, he sold me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The crazy thing about this, I thought I had three locked down at the beginning that I was going to do, and those three ended up going the way of the dinosaurs because I can see him playing a lot. Here's the last one that I want to give you that was originally going to be my number one, didn't even make the list. mm -hmm. I want to go back and see him play anthony perkins norman Bates. i thought about that one you did too yeah not the vince vaughn version but the the original version yeah what do you think i
1: i thought about it for a little bit but i i remember what i said on that episode a few few months back about how it was like one of my top five favorite performances and i was like how could i betray it like that (laughs) but i could see him doing it playing quasi quietly creepy Mm -hmm. uh becoming the serial killer norma bates mm-hmm. uh i know i i it crossed my mind briefly mm. anything else uh i toyed around with jack burton for a little bit oh my god that's genius yeah I, I i do really like big trouble and kurt russell in that but i could see nick cage having a ball with that mm-hmm. that particular role um oh gosh there, there was one more and it was it was a little it was a little bit more recent um it might have been horror. If it comes back to me, I'll, I'll mention it. But it was a lot of fun. We'll, we'll have to do that with the other actors, too. Yeah, Pick okay. them and, like, can you imagine, like, Willem Dafoe through film history? <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, Willem Dafoe could play the Claude, Claude Rains uh, guy. Uh, he could play him um, in uh, Casablanca. I could see that as mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> so many different people. For sure. But, all right, excellent two-year list. Two-year list. Let's dive right into our review breakdown of the unbearable weight of massive talent. Nice place. Maybe I ought to get into the olive business. Mr. cage yeah, Excuse me, real quick. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Yeah, yeah Javi. Is Javi going to want me to, uh, you know... I'm not sure I understand. Look, if Javi wants me to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch me watch him fuck his wife, that's a no-go. You understand? That's no bueno. I think so. Okay, and if Javi... I am Javi. Nick Cage. <laughs> Pretty funny delivery there when you realize who's he, who he's actually talking to. But let's start at the beginning. Uh, Nicholas Cage, Nick Cage, playing a persona, a variant <laughs> of himself in this film. Uh, let's just talk about that as a concept. Uh, we've There's been a few films throughout being John Malkovich where someone's going to be playing themselves. Uh, I'm trying to think of a few others. It's usually when Hollywood's making a movie about itself where someone shows up and they're like that person.
0: Adaptation to a certain degree. Yeah, okay. A little bit. Not the same way, but yeah.
1: What do you think of that as a storytelling mechanism? There's a lot of <laughs> buy-in there, right? I mean, I mean, there has to be some buy-in there.
0: Sure, and if you pick the right guy, yeah. you couldn't do that with Daniel Day-Lewis, Mm-mm. but you can do it with someone oh, who... You'd spend the whole movie cobbling shoes with him. <laughs> Exactly, right. <laughs> If the person is large enough presence, yeah, um, then I think it works. But I gotta be honest, I'm not a huge fan initially. Yeah. Uh that wouldn't necessarily be what I would gravitate to. It just you doing you as you it, it, not to say it can't it can't come across okay. It can. Yeah. Nick Cage is one of the few I think that would sort of pull it off. But that wouldn't be my first go to. How about you?
1: I think it's I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, think of what the, the Tom Gormacan never heard of him before uh but he wrote this whole screenplay with the Pope that Cage would be in it, mm-hmm. kind of like Pedro Pascal in this film, right? Mm-hmm. writing this screenplay that will you please be in my movie? So if he says no, I mean, you just spent all this time and effort writing this thing that can't possibly be made, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Maybe you could interchange the actor, but you got to remove every reference, every prop that's been used. Like it totally changes the trajectory of your story. So
0: it's sort of strange to write a script in third person omniscient that breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. And that's what, so that's a very odd concept and ends up being interesting in some moments. But it yeah, it's a if this is spec, which of course it had to be, this is not from a novel. Mm-hmm. Talk about K, like a flyer. Yeah. Pray to God that Nicholas Cage gets it, because it's not anybody else. It's Nick Cage, and if he doesn't like the script, that project's dead. Down. I
1: think I read too that he turned it down at like three times. So, well, there was there was some hesitation there too, because you, when you jump in, you're kind of playing a parody of yourself, right? Yeah. And I think that's where we're at at the beginning. So kind of where we have to kind of fish through the the real Nick Cage and this film Nick Cage is how much are you willing to make fun of yourself and your off-screen persona? And we know a lot about him and kind of how odd he is and how he's lecherous with money and just spends things willy-nilly. There's, I think there's a great line later in the film where there's this horrific wax statue of his character... Uh, from Face Off. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's hideous. How much did you pay for it? $6,000. i will give you 20000 for it. Just like, he has no value of the dollar, right? Right. He's just spending willy-nilly. What is the rumor? Didn't he like try and buy a T-Rex skull for like $150 million? Yeah. So if the guy is truly in debt, they're, they are p- playing into that a little bit. He's living at a hotel in this film, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have a home. His home life is shit. He's, uh, he's trying to get... This new movie made. I thought this was an interesting cameo. So he's auditioning for David Gordon Green there at the beginning, the director of Pineapple Express and the new Halloween <laughs> films. And this guy just wants no part of him, right? He's just trying to get in his car, get out of there. And Nick Cage is auditioning for him in the ballet parking lot. Yeah. So what what do you think? Are, are you going with that? I mean, with just the real Cage that and the, and the fake Cage as we're, we got to play into some of the the rumor right
0: of who he really is yeah you do if i was going to ask you to give me three stereotypes that you would use to describe nick cage you've already given me two of them he spins willy-nilly okay and you said something else which i can't remember um home life and what's the third one just what comes to your mind well
1: based on what the film gives me it might be He was maybe more of a heavy drinker than I gave him credit for.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. What I noticed that didn't come up was cinephile. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I'm going somewhere with this, but ride with me for a second. yeah, sure. On Saturday Night Live some time ago when Will Ferrell was on there, Mm. he used to do a great Neil Diamond. Mm -hmm. And he would do these bits with Neil Diamond that would have these anecdotal stories of just the debaucherous life that Neil Diamond led. And <laughs> I kept wanting yeah. to see that version of Nick Cage show up on the screen. Now, where this gets even more defendable has to do with what happened before you and I saw the movie. So everybody out there, Jesse and I saw this on Tuesday. Yeah, I think the most interesting piece of the film for me might have been the interview that he gave and the previewing experience about his experiences doing leaving Las Vegas, Raising Arizona, and Moonstruck. Yeah. It is so Will Ferrell as Neil Diamond, self-referential, anecdotal, and debaucherous, but not tame. Yeah. So there's a great story that he tells about the role in Moonstuck, Moonstruck where he's talking about, I lost my hand to get my hand. I didn't get it. My fiance or whatever the hell that is when he's yelling at Cher. Mm-hmm. And he said that he stole that from Metropolis. Yeah. Now on the fringes of obscure film, I guess Metropolis is there. It's not Brazil, but it's, it's not everyday film going fodder. It's a deep cut. Yeah. Fairly. Yeah. That does show up in the film because what the movie they used to talk about in the film as Nick Cage playing Nick Cage cages, Caligari. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I would put those two in the same category. Here's the difference, though. Can, so, I, can I just jump in there? I actually thought it was just him talking, I thought he was very well-spoken
1: talking about those things, too. I did, too. Like, he knew what he was talking about. It wasn't just some guy just BSing being a film snob. Felt like he was pulling from a lot of different
0: uh, inspirations that were important to him. Yeah, you're sharing the same wavelength that I'm getting on this. Yeah. So he tells that story. Then he tells a story about the role that he plays in Raising Arizona and how that character was inspired by Woody Woodpecker. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is Leaving Las Vegas and how he hired a poet who is a raging alcoholic, I can't remember the guy's name, Mm -hmm. for six weeks so he could study what his drunk looks like and go to school on that. Now, those are three really interesting takes on how Nick Cage Mm -hmm. in real life became Nick Cage. This is a huge problem for me When we get that, because Nick Cage is playing himself. Mm -hmm. When Nick Cage gets into the movie of Massive Talent and is playing himself, they pick the movie, which I said is Caligari and Paddington Mm 2 for joke purposes, but maybe I should see Paddington 2 because I think that there's more to that than what I'm giving credit for than just a one-off. Yeah, Am I really going to watch Paddington 2? I don't know. (laughs) Add a dear list. (laughs) Instead of those great stories that I used to shape and sculpt myself, he came across in the film as sy- sycophantic snob that didn't use Caligari to build. He just used it as leverage to try and show that he loved film. Sure, yeah. Okay, No, here's where it gets even crazier. If I told you that Bob Costas <laughs> loved baseball, yeah. would you think I was crazy? No. If I told you that... Dave Grohl yeah. loved rock and roll. Yeah. Would you think I was crazy? No. <laughs> if I told you that Stephen King yeah. loved fiction, yeah. would you say I was crazy? Yeah. <laughs> the point you would, yeah. you would. The point I'm making this is these contemporary icons yeah. of these media devices generally tend to love mm-hmm. the area that they're working in. Sure. So to come across on screen as the not storytelling to build myself, but just huge fanboy of the craft that I'm part of. Yeah was so fucking hollow.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's the script's problem too. I think uh, that there could have been room to expand on a lot of a lot of that. It just even referencing, what, what are your three favorite movies? He's like, that's such a loaded question to ask. Like, how can I even break that down to you in, in two minutes? But then the script just starts jumping from just things to things. and I thought this film had a very interesting editing style that I didn't really like. It'd be in the middle of something and then cut to the, like the next thing. So I don't think it just gives it enough room to expand that, right? To have those eloquent talks about inspiration and thespianism, which I would be okay for if we're watching a film about Nick Cage.
0: I'm telling you guys, watching him in the pre-viewing semi-trailer part of the movie mm-hmm. was far more interesting than what he did in this in this movie. And it was just Nick Cage unscripted. And that's the problem with the script. Here's my th- question for yeah, you. Yeah. Does that script suffer from overwriting? or underwriting because mm. i'm gonna argue overwriting if you have nick cage and you have all the bombastic pieces that make nick cage as we know him today all you have to do is need is leave enough white space on the page to let him go do himself. i was just
1: gonna say i was like maybe you underwrite it on purpose yeah. give him room to work and just let him do his thing so um. i think the script is overwritten it's like they're they're trying a little to lean a little bit uh too much into the nick cage mythos right Mm -hmm. Uh, into all the different references which some work some don't work um yeah i'm glad you like that i'll have to send you this thing because i I really like when they they talk to an actor and it's kind of an interview unscripted like that and they kind of break down their career or whatnot joseph gordon levitt did one recently for variety fair i think is doing or Esquire is doing this new thing it's called like rewind and he'll actually put in like tapes or clips from his movies. He'll watch them and then break them down and just listening to him kind of break down 10 things i hate about you uh 500 days of summer don john oh. brick is really well done like is and you just kind of get like what they were thinking about with like specific scenes. I would love to hear him talk about Don John. Yeah, I'll send I'll send it to you. Do please. It was really good but yeah, that, I think that was kind of an interesting piece. And, you know, here the, the Film Stop stuff comes up, too, with his daughter, right? I mean, in their therapy session, I mean, she's she's mad that they're she's forcing all these old films on him and trying to, like, mold her into, like, a mini of him. Do you recognize this girl? Mm-hmm. She is the daughter of Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's like you can kind of see it once once you put those two, yeah, people I can together, now. two people together But his home life's a mess. I mean, he's a very absentee father, uh, I imagine. I don't know if the true Nick Cage is. I know he does have a few kids. Uh Patricia Arquette, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Priscilla Presley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and I think two other marriages. I think he's on marriage four or five now. Mm. Um, but yeah, just just be there for your daughter's birthday, right? be there, don't make a scene. And of course he comes in and he starts drinking because he's kind of already come to the decision that David Gordon Green passed on me. He doesn't want me to do the Boston accent. I'm just going to give it up, right? I'm going to retire from acting.
0: Yeah. Uh, to me, there's two competing narratives with that first 20 minutes, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Number one is, is this the, the fan of film that, oppressively uses it to get people in line to see things his way the way his daughter states or is he the guy who can never put down the phone because he's always trying to find the next gig Yeah. and those competing narratives I'm going to be honest with you guys don't have much to do with the film until about the last five minutes and then only one of them mm-hmm. and that's the husband father uh, daughter relationship with his which
1: I'm okay with if you're going to go with I one I'd two.
0: probably go with that one for sure
1: yeah Fix, fix that because this is
0: such a mess. <laughs> What's strangely um, like slightly disappointing for me in this mm-hmm. is how subdued he ends up playing this. Yeah. Now, he does some pretty egregious things. And in this birthday party, a big moment's coming along, which is this song that he's supposedly composed for his daughter when he, they were at the Grand Canyon that he literally makes up. On the spot. On the spot. And everyone can tell. And he's like drunk on Jack too, right? So, yeah. So, is that the movie then? Which you would think that'd be a big moment mm-hmm. on stage, yeah. on screen. Here's another thing too that I'll get to this a little bit later. I'm going to have two points on this. What Nick Cage can play really well, Jesse, is drunk or high because he made Academy Award doing that very thing. Mm -hmm. Watching him do that again in this manner is so junior varsity, the same way Nick Cage as the cinephile compared to the interview before the movie began. It's so junior varsity to what we've seen him do. That's what I mean by subdued. I know what Nick Cage is capable of. Mm -hmm. And yet... I keep getting the junior varsity of that idea that I know I have proof that he can kill for me. Let me ask you something now. Would you have
1: preferred this idea, concept? Do you think it would play out better as maybe a little more drama than comedy? Yes. Because I know they're playing it up for comedy. Okay. This ridiculous drunken song and the JV level of drinking in the trip scene later. Uh, but if he's going on a real bender for screwing up his family and for retiring and being a low a nobody, a has-been, I think you might get a little bit more out of it. It might be a little bit more poignant for Nick Cage, actually.
0: Yeah, if he just says that's it and he's out at the beginning and Neil Patrick Harris is his agent, Mm -hmm. tries to get him to take one last gig, and then his daughter is kidnapped or he's forced back into it in some other way other than I went to this birthday party and the CAA is going to recruit me to bring down this drug lord blah 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 yeah yeah i think it works but i want to ask you a question now so you know how you tell me sometimes that you thought about me or you watched me watching the film yes <laughs> i spend a lot of time watching you watch this film yeah and let's talk about this comedy thing because i actually have a hard number that i'm going to answer to this okay one. did the comedy work for you in this movie it worked for
1: me in a couple sections but it's it's The part of the film that I think could completely be removed from the movie. Can I just mention it now? Go. Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, to me, were the funniest part of this film. Uh, They made me crack up audibly. I mean, do you remember the line he had? (laughs) He was like, he's like, I'm going to get kicked out of the CIA. I'm going to have to go work at fucking Sonic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's great. I I have a clip of, of his other one here, too. Position, I think that's the actor Nick
0: Cage. Nick Cage, I love you. Have you seen Crude too? I'm 44 years old. Why the fuck would I see Crude too? I've seen Face Off and Con Air. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's good, man. He's he's kind of understated in my kind of comedy like uh aura of actors, mm. but they're not the main movie, right? They're not the focus of the film. So, the comedy that plays out between Cage and Pascal and the
0: referential humor it kind of doesn't land for me. I'm going to give you a number. Okay. The number's three. Okay. Do you know what that is? Yeah. That's the number of times that there was anything closely resembling a chuckle that you emitted during this film. <laughs> three. That Well, you just did one of them. Yeah. There were two others. Okay. And I after the third, I'm like, there's got to be another one. And then about an hour went by, <clears throat> and there was nothing but silence. As a matter of fact, I looked over at you, <laughs> and you would have rather been anywhere else in the entire world than in that film. Yeah. So yeah, it, the point being is, I'm glad to hear you say the comedy didn't work because I was going to say, no, it didn't. You laughed three times. Three times. <laughs> and I think I might have only had two. Now, you tend to be a little bit more jovial with comedy than me. That's We've talked about that a lot. I'm a big old, grumpy old bastard. But, but comedy's so subjective too, right? I mean. So the, it's it's the comedy's not working, Jesse. Yeah. Is,
1: you know, Does, I, 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 okay, I, I noticed you too. Well, here so, we go. I, we spend more
0: time watching each other than the film.
1: No, that's the part of the fun of it. Uh, <laughs> it's been long time since we've seen a movie together to that. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But then, there we go. You had a uh, you had you had a, you had a few chuckles there at the beginning when uh you know they were getting flogged there with <laughs> they were getting massaged, and just getting beat to hell with I don't know you know what the hell the, those were feather dusters. And I think that yeah there was the moment too. Do you remember where he was talking to Neil Patrick Harrison he like gave his like epitaph that was going to go into the Hollywood Reporter and he was like. I missed that. I'm going through the hills. Can you say it again? I was <laughs> like, you're gonna make him repeat this like monologue he just did that yeah. was really good. Yeah. Uh, those those were a few moments. But then once we get to the later half of the film, we're not laughing, we're just trying to figure out, oh my god, what is going on here? And is this an action movie now? A buddy movie? Like, what are we what are we doing here? I also started getting, like, a stomachache halfway through the movie, too, so that was probably what was also kind of... My stomach was, like, churning and making, like, like growling and making noise, Yeah, us. so that was part of it. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah, that, 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 that's a shame, too. I mean, you think the trailers maybe oversold this movie
0: a little bit. Okay, so maybe we were catfished, and yes. this is the truth on this. The reason we're doing this cask is because... Because we haven't had a conversation about Nick Cage, like you said, this was rather spur of the moment. We're kind of just filling in some weeks post Doctor Strange till we get to Top Gun and some other things that are coming. The sure. big summer, like single barrel stuff or mm-hmm. one off stuff. Yeah, this is the first time in a really long time for me mm-hmm. that I can remember him getting a real cast to go around him. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, yeah. not huge, but Pedro Pascal's yeah. as big as he's gone within a while. Yeah, with an actual release that had trailers and wasn't immediately direct to video Nick Cage yeah. or some knockoff streaming service. Yeah. What I thought and what I hoped was if they're putting that kind of money into the PNA, mm-hmm. this might be, Yeah, and I mean this, mm-hmm. the resurrection of a career that I think is on fucking life support. Yeah. And that's from his poor choices in, in film. It's his poor choices in finances. It's, I think, everybody being over caged. But he was, for a period of four or five years, a titan in cinema, Jesse. Yeah, And then, you know, the the movie that it started for me, and I can't remember the name because we walked out of it. Ghost Rider. (laughs) No, it wasn't that. It was right around that time, though. It was the one where he played the Witcher or... Season of the Witch. There you go. We left about 10 minutes into that film. And at that moment, he fell off a cliff. Yeah. After that, it's like Wicker
1: Man. That I mean, Kickass is somewhere in there too, and that that's not bad. I think Matchstick
0: Men might be in there somewhere as one of the redeeming pieces. But did even you ever, in,
1: did you ever do Lord of War? He's uh, the gun, gun no, runner? No, Ethan Hawk, That one's not. That one's not terrible. But there's the the National Treasure stuff. I've never been big on. Uh, Those are all kind of B listy movies. I do want to make an argument though, and I hope to further explicate this in the coming weeks of. I feel like his career has in a bit of a a slight cage sense independently right uh, right now. So films like Mandy, Pig, Colorado Space, small film th- these aren't getting nationwide releases like this film is, but to what you're saying to Nick Cage the leading man spotlight, like this could have been like that for him. Yeah. And I feel like they oversold it uh, to us. When I saw the trailer for this, I thought of you because I was like, this is the type of movie that Matt usually really likes. Yeah. The Lost City, like one of these like kind of quiet action comedies that has like a lot going for it. It's action-packed, but it's also got some nice laughs to go along with it. It's a shame that it kind of didn't work for both
0: of us as kind of, we're not even
1: out of the first act we're already admitting
0: that. You made a statement <laughs> as we saw this film, and um, I guess we're kind of already sort of alluding to maybe where the rankings for this are going to be. We walked out, and you said, "I think there was a good movie in there. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, but I think sometimes when you drink piss poor bourbon, yeah, there's a good bourbon in there. It just wasn't made very good. Yeah, so not to say that we can say that about anything because some movies don't. There's no hope for that being a good film. <laughs> there isn't. I mean, some movies are like how Morbius was. Yeah, how did you know we? How did that get greenlit? How That's, did that get made? Yep. Yeah. But the movie is this at this point. The story about this man who seems to be hard drinking, estranged from his family, struggling to come to terms with the stark reality that maybe his career is finished and oppressively opinionated. <laughs> How about that? imagine him being oppressively opinionated about film? Gee, yeah. Well, yeah. mirror, mm-hmm. Hi, hashtag mirror. Yeah. And that doesn't work mm-hmm. in a comedy. None of that works. None of those are comedic tropes. Let's talk
1: about the other factors that are about to be introduced here in a second. So he's about to take uh, the only surviving gig before his inevitable retirement, which is a birthday party. Yeah. He's going to get paid a million dollars for it. Yeah. Um, but it's this guy, uh, Javi Gutierrez, played by Pedro Pascal. And uh, he's a great, great lord, but he's also like a drug guy, too. And so you have that factor going. And then you find out the reason he brought him to this place was not only for the birthday party, but whatever is to read this script that I sent you, which is to star you. Um, I had you in mind, much like this film we're watching, which is very meta in its own right. And then there's the CIA angle because not only is that not enough, but someone's been kidnapped and we think he did it. So can you work for us as a CIA undercover agent uh, to find this kidnapped girl that might be on his property? That's too many things. I mean, I need yeah. I need
0: one of those things. What if? Yeah. Let's sour mash this. Okay. What if when he goes to visit Javi? Let's explain what sour mash is. It's been a while. Uh, uh,
1: sour mash bourbon. So when you make bourbon, you put all your ingredients in the barrel, and they do their thing. <laughs> and then so you take that out, you bottle it up, and then you leave the excrement in there, and then you run another batch through it again. Yeah. And I actually like Sour Mash Bourbon. I think it has kind of a better taste. I think it's a little more smoother sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's taking the old and making something new with it. So let's take some of the stuff from this film
0: and see if we can make it into a better film. Fix it. Yeah. What if he's not under the tutelage of the CIA. I'm okay with that. And while he visits Javi in whatever beautiful Mediterranean area this is, and that it is a gorgeous setting wherever Mm -hmm. they're shooting this, which maybe sold him on why he did it. (laughs) Yeah. A vacation too. Beautiful. He comes across a room where he finds one of the girls. Okay. It doesn't even have to be his daughter. Eventually his daughter is going to come out there. And when she has to come out because Javi I don't want to give the spoiler away, but when Mm -hmm. Javi figures out that Nick Cage isn't maybe working on his team, then he uses his family as leverage. Like we've seen criminals do that before. That's why heroes wear the mask, right? So they don't know your family is. So he goes out there and in the trials and tribulations that he's doing in this buddy film with Javi, Pedro Pascal, he comes upon a room that has hidden... Some terrible, terrible truth, and that turns the movie on his head. And I like it better. Yeah. If he's got to use his own guile, because I got something here mm-hmm. to get through with it. And you know what he uses in his own guile to figure out how to rescue the girl? Yeah. The things that he's done in the other action movies that he's made. He yeah. recalls on those previous events, those action sequences, and he uses yeah. that. That's what I want. uh That the, was the movie.
1: Yeah, they make pr- plenty of references to films he's made and. Yeah. Guarding tests and all these right. rando films he's done, uh Con Air, uh Gone, Face in 60 Off, Gone in sixty seconds, all these all these things he's done. But in the end, this action bit is just like some run of the meal and he's and he's in some horrendous makeup (laughs) this is like some italian guido guy i mean it's horrific and i'm like what are we doing yeah and we're not doing like a replica of a god in 60 seconds card chase we're not doing a replica shootout of some a john woo uh shootout from face off right it's just become some generic just nonsense yes so i'm with you i'm with you there absolutely um in turn that would make pedro
0: pascal just completely the bad guy then right there's still, no, there could still be the twist that we're going to get there. Okay. Which is, do you want to give the twist now? Yeah, sure. So Pedro Pascal is perceived to be the antagonist that's kidnapped these kids and I guess is some sex trafficking them or not some, who the hell knows. But what we're come to find out later is one of his family members, the guy with the white hair. His cousin. Yeah. His cousin mm-hmm. is actually the violence and the guns and the evil element on this estate. And Pedro Pascal... Is mostly kind of this, I don't want to say dim-witted because he's not, just this gentle, Wimpish, wimpish, hanging out guy, maybe coattailing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that's a really nice twist because if we have this relationship that I buy between Cage and Pascal, and we like a good buddy movie, we we both like that. Yeah. And it gets to the point where I really do believe they're friends. And I will say to this movie's credit, I did believe that those guys are actually friends on and off screen. I think those guys are probably pretty tight now. Sure. They sure looked like it. They had good chemistry. If Cage has to sell out the friendship because Javi is perceived as Mm -hmm. such a bad guy, now there's some internal conflict with the external conflict. They have the quote unquote breakup. Yeah. Only to find, and like it's a bad breakup, (laughs) right? The friendships on the rocks. Yeah. I care about that. Especially if Nick Cage is this loner who's finally found the the film snob that hobby is in this to share these momentous beliefs and opinions about cinema. Like they create this nice bond. Boom, falls apart. And then we get the introduction of that white-haired guy. I don't even and I don't even care what his name is, whatever that other bad guy's name is that's really running the thing. It kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um then they have to not only rekindle and fix a relationship in order to bring down this guy
1: yeah I'm good with all that
0: that's simple mm-hmm. we don't even have to dick around although it does provide some convenient comedic relief which the movie sorely sort lacking for a comedy yeah we have to dick around with all that other stuff yeah well, I mean, think about this how how far out there are we he gets commissioned to do this birthday party for a million dollars which is an attempt to get him to read hobby script yeah. which by the way is written but not any good and they're going to write a script together great friendship idea <laughs> No, no, it's like, I get yeah. it, right? No, I do, yeah. It kind of sounds like, you know, something that we might try at one point. Yeah. Um, or have tried, like, 13 times. <laughs> we didn't have a we million. We're going to find the right actor to just, like, just... It's for you. <laughs> million dollars for Jesse's birthday. Nope, you're actually reading a script. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, what we get is him coming out there, and as he gets off the plane to go visit Javi, they just happen to have the CIA there, and they commission him... To be this double agent? What the f- what? too messy. Uh, so th- there's another element to
1: this plot we haven't even mentioned yet. And I'm, oh. I'm curious to know your thoughts on oh. it because this hasn't, I think, been working for you in pop culture lately. Uh-oh. What did you think of his uh, split personality doppelganger that is kind of his thorn
0: in his side? little moon nighty for you <laughs> a lot moon nighty for me i'm a, it, it was funny the first time to see the cgi younger version of him it looked pretty good <clears throat> it did yeah no it doesn't work yeah you, i don't you don't need that yeah you can tell he's wrestling with it and like here's okay to that this is why i hate that kind of shit when this kind of shit when that doppelganger of cage shows up He's closer to the cage that we all wanted than the cage who's actually the real cage. Mm-hmm. How am I going to defend that? He gives him the Godfather kiss, yeah. cracks him on the ass, and says, Nick Cage knows how to smooch. I buy our Nick Cage, yeah. not doppelganger Nick Cage yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to use CGI doppelganger to push the envelope for the guy that you cast for the very reason that you wanted the envelope pushed? Yeah. This is terrible writing and directorial decisions. I know, you're not allowing allowing your
1: star to do what he's good at. His do strengths. you like that
0: doppelganger stuff?
1: I mean, it's not as bad as AI sentient for me. What I would you know? what I would have kind of liked was several versions of the Nick Cage show up. Like, oh, that could have been cool. Like that was like the Wild at Heart one. Like yeah. if we had like the Face Off one and the Con Air one or like Jesse the, the Wicker Man one, like.
0: I love that idea so much. Here's what we do: yeah. we take the sour mash yeah. of it's me trying to figure out how to get through these situations and rescue those, mm-hmm. and those previous iterations of him show up and Hey, remember me in this movie when we did this? Yeah. Let's try. That's what we do. Yeah, because and then you you can have your references like because the film Does was- that make sense? Did I, did that make sense there to everybody? Yeah. Like yeah, okay, yeah. Yes, I'm talking to a podcast that can't answer because it's recorded. Do you guys all understand <laughs> what I'm saying right now? since sense, damn it? Uh, I love that. You can have your cake and eat it too, which is what the film
1: already wants to do. Ooh, I love that. Here to that. Yeah. yeah. It gets a little too muddled with the CIA thing because what it becomes is kind of these shenanigans of trying to find the room where the girls are locked or the girls locked. Uh, turn on the security cameras and there's a, a, a thing where he like touches himself with this knockout bomb or uh, something he, and he's hanging on like the window ledge and it goes on for a little bit too long that's where we get that sonic line that just absolutely cracks me <laughs> yeah um but yeah it, it's, it's a little bit too much and then we get to that drug trip scene oh and let's I, talk about that i knew you didn't like that scene no. <laughs> how long was that that was almost like 15 minutes though
0: like that's when your stomach needed to go south yeah five minutes uh is enough for me, right? Here's the deal, everybody. Yeah, so, yeah, break it down. He and Javi are pretty far into the relationship road and they're talking about crafting a screenplay and they literally have no idea. It is not even high concept, it is no concept at this point.
1: You yeah, know, tell them that it's like, uh, A character-driven like yeah thing about uh, two people a (laughs) character with uh, two two male characters yeah it
0: sounds so boring (laughs) sounds so but there's no story around it yet so Javi's idea is let's get really high and that'll open up our ability to see things new and fresh and then that will create some spark of uh, story and we'll go with that okay I'm just gonna say this I hate that scene in film. Mm -hmm. Because what most of the time it ends up looking like... And I'm, this is not Matt's anti-drug speech. I'm yeah. not, not... Whatever. Yeah. What that ends up being most of the time is X amount of screen time doing absolutely nothing. It's lazy writing. And here's how it looks in this movie. They trip on LSD. And then as they're in some via, I guess at a coffee shop getting ready to start the writing process, they find two old guys... <laughs> That they think are looking at them, and we go down of all the most contrived and boring elements of drugs ever. Ready for this, guys? Can can, you give me a drum roll? (laughs) Paranoia. (laughs) Paranoia. Yeah, what did you think of that bit when they couldn't get over that wall? (laughs) It took forever, and it's just line after line of um, iconic... No, you go save yourself. Like it was, it was Hawkeye and Gamora. Yeah, Megamora, Black Widow, right? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Hawkeye and, and Black Widow. Yeah, it, terrible. And like you, I, and you, I looked, you, I looked over at you, and you were not having it either. Yeah, too long, right? And too, there's no idea there. Like, tell me a story. Don't waste my time dicking around with this. Here's my thing. I, I think you can do the
1: drug trip scene fairly well visually. Like, I, I remember like. Leo's Quaalude scene in Wolf of Wall Street's pretty great. Uh, Johnny Depp's uh, Hunter S. Thompson buffet of alligator lizards in Fear and Loathing Las Vegas is fairly interesting. But if they took a drop of LSD and everything just stays normal and there's not a heightened reality or visual sense to what they're seeing and we're not experiencing that with them, it's just a waste, right? Well, it's like,
0: yeah, it's a waste I always go back to that.
1: Have them turn into cartoon characters or do, something.
0: Yes. Yeah. If you're gonna do Yes, yeah. exactly. Do something fun with it. Uh, it's the most it's the most boring scene in the entire movie. Yes. Yeah. And nothing happens. Okay. Other than we come to understand that they can still be friends and they love film even when they because they're citing old film lines. I think yeah. When they're high. I think here's that- one more thing, one more thing. <laughs> what else is frustrating about this to me is Nick Cage knows how to do high really well yeah, jesse it's
1: very subdued it's so strange again
0: won an academy award as a high drunk guy
1: yeah
0: right mm-hmm. not here yep what the yeah. Wh-
1: yeah 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 you're right i think the kudu the, the girl at the end of it was does this scene have a purpose and when it's just like yeah we're still pretty good friends we could get through that come on man
0: it wasn't funny yeah and it wasn't <laughs> and it was subdued yeah <laughs> and it was too long that sounds like the Golden Sombrero,
1: <laughs> the Golden Sombrero Award. Cody Bell does not does not go to this scene. So when they come back, um, the, it, Tiffany Hash is like, "Go check that room. What are you doing?" So there's a room in like the center of this compound that they think might have the the girl located. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. So he goes there, and do you really want to know what is in there? And yes, show me, Javi. What is in this room? It's a Nick Cage shrine, right? Yep. I thought this was kind of cool. Uh, so if you really want to show the buddy and how much of a sycophant and fanboy hobby is, then this scene does it. He spent millions of dollars collecting memorabilia and props from all of his films. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Is that the, the thing from, from Con Air is that that's the, uh, the bunny from Con Air, right? Uh, the chainsaw for Mandy, the gold plated pistols from face off. Like it's this Nick Cage shrine. Mm-hmm. So That should have come into play. The gold guns do, right? I mean, they end up using those in the final battle. But pull the chainsaw out, pull some of those other weapons out, and the costume. Why isn't he dressed up as the priest from Face Off in those robes instead of that stupid Italian Guido outfit at the end? Why did they even do that? They brought his wife in because he was a makeup artist to make him up, dress him up like a character from one of his other movies. There's a whole set full of his shit. Oh, God.
0: That is so clearly right there. It's there, right? You've set it up, just pay it off. Just take it there. Again, goes back to the question, because as much as we made the case that the script might be overwritten, here it's suffering from being... Underwritten. (laughs) Underwritten. Yeah. This script is terrible. I know. I mean,
1: even something like Lionsgate. Lionsgate made kick-ass. Have him dressed up as Big Daddy walking over that end scene. Yeah. Weak. <laughs> Weak. Weak. So then the references aren't landing. That They feel like, you know when you have like you watch like a TV show and someone makes like a deep cut and it like it really cracks you up because you feel like you're the only one who gets it. Yeah. Like here, they are like A-lists, like surface level cuts that are made for everybody mm-hmm. and they do nothing to move my barometer. Yeah. Because I'm just like, ah, oh, I knew that already or that's not funny to me. Well, it's because you're a snob. Yeah, I am a snob, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Cinephile snob, Jesse. <laughs> but here's where it gets a little more confusing, too. So because he's thinking of this, he, he tries to add this kidnapping plot to their script, right? Because he wants to know if it if if it, he bats an eye to kidnapping, right? Right. And he, Pedro Pascal, thinks of that as he misses his family. He's upset with being a neglectful dad. I'll get his family to come here so he can make peace with them. So then the family shows up, the daughter and the wife thinking he's dead or something or injured. And they're even more upset with him now than they were with him prior. Right. Right. So this turns into like family uh, therapy that goes nowhere. And it just, it makes it more confusing because now we have more characters in the full that don't need to be in this movie.
0: <laughs> as the movie continues to reference itself in real life as the script, the two are writing in the movie move through it. So, <laughs> The movie is the story of the script they're writing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Javi tells him after Cage pitches him on the idea of a kidnapping, that's terrible. No one wants to see that. Man, here's my question. (laughs) When the writer put that stuff down on the paper, did he not realize at this point that is the grand arc, the external conflict Mm -hmm. that he has crafted a whole film over? Yeah. And did he not go in a very Nick Cage, self-referential way yeah. in the mirror to Nicky or whatever the screenwriter's doppelganger of himself is? Yeah. What?
1: It's the adaptation version of him, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. God damn it.
0: What are you doing?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Because what ends up happening is the daughter is going to get kidnapped here in, in a little bit. And we almost forget about the other kidnapped girl because she doesn't even matter because she has no relation to anybody in this movie other than being the CIA's goal, right? Or the
0: the daughter of a potential political candidate that the CIA, need, CIA needs to be installed in fucking uh, Colombia no, or whatever. No one's
1: gonna remember that plot line. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, no one. Yeah, no one's going coming away with that. So that girl ends up not even mattering. Which sucks because she's
0: the crux of this whole film, apparently. All this shit is shoehorned in, but here's a question I think, and this is also maybe even more frustrating. Yeah. The fact that Javi, Pascal, brings Cage's family out is done out of a true sign of compassion sure. because I think what Javi feels like is not only does this man need to heal the wounds of his estranged relationship with his family, but I can't good, get good quality work as a writer or an actor out of him until those wounds are healed. Now, maybe that works and maybe that doesn't because a lot of people would say, well, that's method and that's how you play Tragedy on screen. I was going to say, yeah. Okay. But I do think Javi's trying to be a really good friend to him by bringing his family out. Sure. That kind of almost makes sense. That almost works. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be over kidnapping, though. It can just be, I can't get any good work, whether it's LSD or the shrine that I have or this beautiful setting in a million dollars. I can't get good work out of Nick cage. And that goes back to where we started at the beginning. And the idea and the sour mash that you and I have said, which is I'm leaving acting. I have nothing left. Yeah. Javi brings his family out because he's finally come to the crux of what the writers block actors block version of Nick cage. That's troubled him this yeah. whole film. And you and I in the movie. You and I are writing <laughs> <Yeah>. right now <laughs> and it fixes it. Yeah. His familial strife, right? So easy. Mm-hmm. Because then the CIA thing, the way it plays out, they end up getting killed here in just a little bit, right? Yeah, and think about yes, yeah, right. Which (laughs) what they're killed, and that plays out even better too. Because in this moment where Javi brings out his family, that ends up putting his daughter in jeopardy, and now you have your second act reversal, and everything is worse than it started. I don't have my relationship with my my new friend. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't have any money. My acting career is still shot. And my daughter, who at least hated me but wasn't going to die, now double hates me and is about to die. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on, right? Let me ask you this now because we're kind of
1: getting into the last section of the film here. So it it kind of becomes an action movie of sorts. Sort of, yeah. How does that work for you? Because to me, there's levels of action. There's like John Wick action where he's like throwing knives at people and it's just like it's gruesome, it's intense, it's just like in your face. Then there's, like, this comedic action that is just, like, for comedy's sake. I would have liked to have seen Nick Cage taking all these action roles he's played throughout his career and, like, in this thing turn into, like, a total badass. Like, he still seems like a buffoon at the end of this thing. Uh, It's too comedic, and it doesn't play. And then we
0: got the fucking wife here, like, tagging her along, and that's just... Is Barbara from Santa Barbara or whatever it is? Yeah. No. You know why he seems like a buffoon? Mm Mm-hmm because the stupid makeup job that she puts him in to disguise him. The story's about Nick Cage being Nick Cage. Not Nick Cage pretending to be some Italian, I think, drug lord that happens to show up at this via to seal the final deal of drug transportation. And you know what? It doesn't even matter because I think the guy's name is Lucas. Yeah. Knows it's him instantly. So instead of that, let Nick Cage be Nick Cage. And whether you do the face-off golden guns, which he's going to use anyway... Or whether he gets in Eleanor from Gone in 60 Seconds and tears through the Via. There were any number of ways. And by the way, how is the car from Gone in 60 Seconds not in Pascal's museum, by the way? I know. Come on.
1: That can't be a rights issue. Did this guy
0: that even... Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Did he even watch his films? (laughs) Does he even like Nick Cage? I don't know. On a surface level, maybe. How the fuck do you miss some of that obvious stuff, dude? Yeah. See if I I'm, you're getting me really like you're changing my rating from what it was to I think even I'm, I'm this movie's getting worse for me by go, the minute we're going lower, uh yeah if I if if
1: I did this if I made a Kurt Russell movie mm. where it's him and referencing all his films yeah I'm probably having the pork chop express there I'm gonna have his big taco hat from the thing in there I'm gonna have an eye patch for him from Snake Plissken I'll have a guitar for him from Elvis yeah like I'm gonna have an axe for him from Backdraft like we're gonna really do it up I'll have Death Proof there too yeah uh. It'll be more than just like the surface things, you know what I mean? Like, and that's to me what this is like: surface reference, Nick Cage,
0: and the fact that the the bad drug guy this said Lucas, I guess his name is Lucas. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Silver-haired, really bad guy, not hobby bad guy. Knows instantly that this makeup job did not
1: like that, Jesse. It doesn't even matter. Then
0: the makeup job. Think about this: the makeup job is to change his face. Yeah. What other movie changes his face? Face off. So what are we uh, doing? This should have been John Travolta. That would
1: really, that, have been cool.
0: <laughs> Come on. It's there in the... It's got to be somewhere in the museum that Hobby brutal. has. And, uh, he
1: comes in looking like House of Gucci, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I watched recently. Not great. No. Uh, too long. Mm. Too much Jared Let- Adam Driver's amazing in it, but everything else is not great. <laughs> mm, how's... um. Oh, Lady Gaga. Yeah, eh, she's 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 all right. Uh, not shout. Not uh. The Adam Driver acts circles around everyone in that film. Yeah, well, he's a he's a good actor. He he is good. So, but yeah, that's what he looks like. He looks like just like just this generic guy. He looks like Jared Leto in that movie. So, oh yeah, it's so infuriating.
0: And so then everyone gets captured as you will in these action films. Um, but so we get to the final <laughs> confrontation, which ends up being kind of a car chase. Yeah, but not really convoy jeep chase brief mm-hmm. through the streets of this via that culminates with javi shooting the bad guys i don't even remember how it ended i was so dis. So no do you remember javi point. and his
1: girlfriend wife yeah That's shoot right. out the cars and kind of give them enough time to get to this the the embassy, right? The American embassy. Oh my god. And Is so that, that's where they're going was the embassy? I think it was, right? I don't even. I, I at think this point, it, I think I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. No. I wanna know. <laughs> I wanna know. Uh but kind of
0: kind of explain what happens there. Like Demi Moore shows. <laughs> so then after they escape, we get the fruition of Javi and Nick's work, which is a screenplay that now has been produced and they are at the opening night at some theater, let's just say Grauman's, and we see the end of the story that they wrote, which is very similar to the story that they lived. But you see it
1: first, they like yeah. fade into each other. It's yeah. like the embassy, and it is, I just looked it up. Uh, and then he looks at his wife and it's Demi Moore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you turned to me and you're like, is that damn? I couldn't even tell it was her. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm, so then, for a moment, I'm like, oh, my God, was this all – is this how he perceives the world? It's so hyper-stylized that this is the veil of Nick Cage. But then, no, we pull back and it's a screen and it's the premiere at Grauman's probably mm-hmm. Uh, this m- new movie. The movie that they wrote, right? Yeah. They took it from their own personal experiences, and I'm just like, P.U., man. <laughs> get me out of here. Right.
0: <laughs> so then we get, I guess, the other internal conflict that's left, and that's the fixing of these broken fences relationship-wise with his wife and his daughter. And there's a brief bit that we went over, didn't talk about, by I say went over, where one of Javi's favorite films is Paddington 2. mm mm-hmm. And Nick Cage is like, fuck off. And yeah. he's like, no, it's really like, it's an amazing film. And so we watched them watch that together and Cage is in deep, like in total tears. It's a and nice comedy bit. Yeah, like, no, that, that kind of worked. Yeah. To go from saying you're full of shit to
1: it's a, it's a masterpiece.
0: And I've never seen Paddington 2. And if it in fact really is a good movie, that's even, okay, I'll, then I'll give the writing team credit for that. Okay. Are you going to watch Paddington 2 this say, week? I've seen it.
1: It's, it's, it's not bad. Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay, so, all right. So there you go. Give them that. They're sitting together, and instead of watching *Caligari*, or *Metropolis*, or *Brazil*, or *Citizen Kane*, or whatever kind of fringy art house sort of important film you want to do, *Battleship
1: Potemkin*.
0: There you go, right? God, yeah, *Birth of a Nation*. Ugh. Whatever you, yeah, ugh, is right, yeah. <laughs> *Battleship Potemkin*. Just watch *The Untouchables*. It's better.
1: Uh, yeah, same movie.
0: They're watching *Paddington* too. Well, the daughter brings it up, right? Yep. She and says, so he's let go of the reins a little bit. And he's now trying to be, I don't want to say present because he was present, but not quite authority Yeah, that he cast himself in and for that's most okay. of the sure.
1: w- that okay. Works, that works
0: a bit. So then the movie, if that's what we fade out on, this was a movie about, how can you and I not like this? This is a movie about family.
1: family. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to the other 40-ish minutes of what we we're talking about. And you'll see what the things that just really halted. How long was the runtime on this film? One hour. Okay, I was appreciative of this because it seems like every new release that we've done has been, man, 2.30. Yeah. Strange, I think, was a little over two two six, but I think 107, so that's uh, 1 hour 47 minutes.
0: All right, there you go. That's good.
1: Yeah, to that. To that. At least it moves. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if this was 2 hours 10 minutes? No. Oh, man. <laughs> no. That last 30 minutes, we would have been dying in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> you especially, your stomach on me. Yeah, me, I was like, ugh, just a little bit more. But what was your favorite tasting note of unbearable weight of massive talent? Oh.
0: That's a tough question.
1: I'll go first. I, I really did like the the Nicolas Cage prop room, and even though other than the gold guns, it really doesn't pay out, I there was some nice references in there and I I was kind of peeking around in there and there was some kind of dick, some, some, some deep Nick cage uh, props in there from some other kind of films. But uh, I really like that line at the end where he was like, you paid six, I'll give you 20,000 for it because that Nick cage is so vain. He just absolutely has to have it. So I thought that was a a decent moment.
0: (sighs) Maybe the, birthday party that he hijacks with that song mm. just because i thought that was going to be really really loaded sort of the way the tip the table over in the casino and in, in the casino scene is in um leaving las vegas yeah and i don't know i'm struggling here jesse maybe i uh, i haven't said it in a long time yeah but if it wasn't for the show <laughs> we would have left i really would have i <laughs> I, 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 was, I was done.
1: <laughs> I think he did laugh. I think he did chuckle a little bit when he was got on the piano because I was thinking I was like, "Oh gosh, like, what's he just gonna
0: improv here on the piano? God, how awful is this gonna be?" <laughs> you know what had a chance to do though? Yeah, something that we may not know about Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. What if he could really play and sing a little bit? Yeah, maybe it could have been cool. It wasn't. It could've wasn't. Been. It wasn't cool. What's the oh my God!
1: moment? Of that
0: stupid. Over the walls, we're escaping the two right. guys. Yeah, that was that was a bad moment for you. It oh, <laughs> was
1: a so bad. You did this. You did this. You went. Pew. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing. Uh, people jumping over a cliff with my hands motion. <laughs> 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 That's what it did, right? Yep, I did make that message. Here we go. You're like, oh. we, we were we were maybe okay, and now nah, we're just we're tanking hard. Like that moment in Iron Man
0: 3, and I said, This isn't so Oh, old. And 30 seconds later, gosh, yeah, it's you and me watching movies, maybe a bad combination. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything can be hereditary.
1: We got to do, oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. We saw that masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, we got to do Iron Man 3 because we just got to share the tales of just what went <laughs> through our minds because nothing will ever top that. I just, <laughs> what I, I was listening to, just, just. Some people talk about Iron Man 3 on just uh it was a YouTube video, and I was like, man, like, <laughs> they don't even know just, like, the, the betrayal <laughs> of that film. Um, How about for you? Oh, oh him and God. his horrendous Italian uh, mm-hmm. makeup yeah. in his, like, Puma uh, jumpsuit.
0: Horrible. Yeah.
1: Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> to no avail to only have him be in it for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: His, no – and everything's – his face is falling off, and oh, it just – it was – stupid it's pointless is what it was yeah who's the master distiller on unbearable weight of massive
0: talent i actually thought in all of the terrible criticisms i've levied on the film i really did think pedro pascal was the character that saved some pieces of this i'm not really sure in the world of hollywood where he ranks because i know he and favreau didn't exactly see eye to eye on the mandalorian and favreau kind of tried to basically shit can him in a couple different ways um obviously it didn't work but um, didn't work with karano either for that matter. So I yeah. guess that's a theme there. But um,
1: yeah, Pedro Pascal. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to him too. I thought their chemistry was pretty good. And he kind of played, if his goal was to play Lufish, fanboy, sycophant, he played it pretty well. He's charming, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's got a vibe to him. I remember him a Narcos yeah. to start out and then there was the Mandalorian, right? And unfortunately, Wonder Woman 84. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah that movie doesn't suck. He wasn't the, no, he
1: wasn't the worst part of that thing by far. It was CGI cheetah. Uh you and just
0: the frustrations of uh, what you just said right there. Okay, I'll save it for a minute cuz it's coming. Okay. Okay. Uh but yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably give it to
1: him. I thought that he was pretty good and yeah, I think he'll 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 be one to watch just with different roles coming up. I think in the right role, that I think that guy I'd just like to see him in like maybe a mafia movie would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. How are you gonna rate and grade unbearable weight of massive talent?
0: Rock gut, well, call single barrel and top shelf. I don't know how to square this with myself because there was a hope that I had, and this is what I meant by the frustration about a minute ago. Okay. The fact that Pedro Pascal was cast alongside Nick Cage with some pretty landmark things in the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Right? He's great in narcos. Yeah. Really, really Big movie, huge presence in Wonder Woman eighty four. Although like we killed that movie, but like that's a big cast for him. <laughs> the guy's moving, yeah. Clearly, the Mandalorian is his prize winning pig in the stable, but you know he's in costume. Pedro Pascal is kind of A list talent. Yeah. Nick Cage doesn't get A list talent with him, and that started to make me think like, wow, if it's not Tiffany Haddish, who would be B list talent? Yeah, but it's Pedro Pascal, maybe this is a real film. Maybe he's really trying. Sure. And this could be an interesting vehicle because it's Nick Cage doing Nick Cage. What am I saying? All of this really had my hopes that there was going to be a renaissance. And I, I don't need any more Con Air, but like I like Nick Cage. Yeah. None of that came through. Yeah. Does that mean that because my expectations were such, were so lofty, that if the movie doesn't meet them, the movie sucks even more. The answer is no. The movie is the movie. Yeah. My expectations don't change the movie. Yeah. That's good. That's important to
1: right? delineate. I mean, we could have had that argument last week, too, with our expectations for Strange and then still enjoying the movie for the most part.
0: But it's hard not to let that jade your judgment. Yeah. Look, clearly, this is either rock gut or or call top or, shelf. <laughs> rock gut or, or well for me. Yeah is it so bad that it deserves rock gut and it's close yeah well minus rock gut plus um i mean it like i really and let me help you, you. wanted to go to i i know you wanted to you were done yeah. maybe cuz you didn't feel great yeah but i could tell that you i looked over at you one time and you literally had your hand on the armrest and your your hand was resting against your fist and i think you were staring off into like the the left side of the theater just like just done yeah
1: Waiting for something to happen.
0: Let me help you out. I'm going to go...
1: Well, minus. Yeah. And I think it's because there is a good movie, I think, in there. Maybe not a great movie, but maybe I think a movie that plays more into what was sold to us. A Nick Cage, self-referential vehicle where they talk about his films and his characters, and they show up in a very meta way, and they use those as confines to fuel action sequences and yeah. comedy. Yeah, And that's not this film, ladies and gentlemen. No. You get a very different trajectory that mostly doesn't work. There's a few... Ch- Matt counted three chuckles for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a couple chuckles to be had. Two of them were for Ike <laughs> <laughs> Uh One from something else at the beginning, probably, but... Yeah, mostly Yeah, mostly disappointing is what I'll say. I think just the material, uh, I think that trailer was really, the Red Band trailer was so funny. I thought that was great, but that, that was probably all the stuff that we really liked about the movie. So, huge disappointment. I think you can do this much better, but. It just should have been written smarter. I think, you're, I think what you said is the epitaph for this <laughs> episode overwritten leave some white for Nick Cage to just do his Nick Cage thing. Yeah. Because he didn't have, like, a Nick Cage moment where he was like, not the bees. Ah, there am I. There was
0: never the Nick Cage moment in this film, right? Yeah. No, there never was. Unfortunate. Other than if you want to do the, I love you, I love you, too," And that was so brief that it wasn't him getting to just emote. Yeah, It's not like those great moments from, like, My hand,
1: my hand, face off and wild at heart or Mandy that just like these moments where he just lets loose and it's just like pure rage Mm -hmm. or just pure, just like let you just let the cameras roll and whatever happens. You're like, yeah, this is kind of what we wanted. Yeah, that's not in here. And that's unfortunate. That's what I wanted. I wanted a whole
0: movie of that. (laughs) There might have been some space, too, when his daughter, who he clearly loves, but they have a strained relationship, is really in harm's way, and the bad guy, Lewis is going to do something terrible to her. There was some space to let mm-hmm. Nick Cage go yeah. off. They did it. Not in makeup as an old Italian drug lord, though. Yeah. An Italian drug lord? So
1: stupid. In a Puma tracksuit? Oh, man. Alrighty. righty. Two-year rating? Two-year rating.
0: So what were you? Rock gut plus? I'm going to go with you and well. Eh, well, minus? I'm, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> the difference is if it's neater on the rocks, I guess. Excellent. Well, let's wrap this up with a nightcap.
1: Okay, a real simple nightcap question for you this week. So we've talked at length for... An hour here about the concept of this film, the unbearable way to Massive talent, playing into the mythos of Nick Cage, playing himself, visages of himself, all the references. If they were to do this idea and concept with another actor, who would you mind see play themselves to this extent? It has also has to be a better movie. <laughs> so... You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Pacino.
0: Yeah. Al Pacino.
1: Yeah, Pacino's got some Cage qualities to him.
0: At some point, you do it so long, you become a character of yourself. And I don't think Al Pacino's really changed a lot since he did Scent of a Woman. Mm -hmm. You might argue the Ocean series where he's kind of a bit more subdued. But I think Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman is more like what Al Pacino is on May 14th. Sitting at his home. Yeah. Divorced from Beverly (laughs) D'Angelo.
1: Beverly D'Angelo, yeah.
0: She made it into the show. So yeah, I want to see Al Pacino.
1: Wasn't she with John Peters too? Um, yeah. The, the Superman Lives. It all comes full circle. It does. Excellent. Good choice. Thanks. I I toyed around with Matthew McConaughey for a little Ooh, bit. Ooh, good one. Primarily because I also you can go read his biography right now. Oh, what's it called? I'm great. Greenland or something? Or I don't know what it's called. I'm great. <laughs> but if you listen to the Kindle audiobook, he reads it.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool.
1: That would be a very nice, easy listening book to listen to. I might read that. Yeah. I do. You, I like him. Oh, I do too. I like his motivational stuff. Yeah. It's just the way it comes out is just, you get it. It's nice and laid back as he is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> be a whole lot cooler if you did. Yeah, it'd be
1: a whole lot cooler if you did. Uh, I'm going to go with Keanu Reeves. Oh, man. That's fucking fantastic.
0: I love it to that. I tried to th- th- winner. Yeah.
1: I tried to think <laughs> of, you know, there's the whole. Thing with Keanu, and go listen to our John Wick episodes because we broke all that down about why he's so revered and such a good guy and lives very humbly. That they could play into that a little bit, right? Just yeah. his kind of good natured Samaritan, pay it forward attitude, but then tap into some of like these classic roles he's played Wick, Neo, Jack Traven, uh, Point Break, uh, uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted, you know, all these great roles he's played i think there's enough material that he's made that you could have a lot of fun with that so good and you we would want to see that too keanu yes. has that cult appeal that it just much like mcconaughey like when he talks it's just like he's got some nice outlooks on life right
0: he's got a really cool political social kind of take on things yeah i'm totally down with him mm-hmm. he's kind of zinned out what was a mess and uh, yes, that's fantastic, Jesse. Yeah, that could, that could be fun. So, Can I give you one more that's no longer living, but I kind of wanted to maybe say? Sure. Jack Lemmon.
1: Ooh, that'd be good.
0: It's hard to do from the grave. Yeah. I think that guy has a really interesting backstory that we are never going to hear. Mm. You want to talk about range. I mean, we talk about Stuart and Grant and Day-Lewis and like Cla- Claude Rains <laughs> yeah. a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. You can make the case that Jack Lemmon is as equally talented as any of those guys. And you want to talk about, I mean, I might. he might even be more versatile. Ready for this? Yeah. Hot take for me to say this. He might even be more versatile than Grant. It's pretty cool. I mean, you think of things like the apartment
1: and some like it hot. Uh, Have you ever seen Shortcuts? No, I haven't. I always get Shortcuts and the player confused. I've seen the player.
0: Both, both Altman films, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. There's a, a brief, and I mean brief, scene with him in there that is Oscar-worthy. Yeah. God, we should do Shortcuts one day on this show. Yeah. Or just Altman. Yeah. Oh, I, I would like to do Altman. I would like to do Altman, too. I like, I like Nashville a lot. Uh, I think you just built a cast. Yeah. Nashville, the player, and Shortcuts. That could be awesome. Mm-hmm. What well,
1: there's,
0: there's something other...
1: Something big he did in the 80s that's not mccabe and mrs miller that's the 70s but there's he's got a pretty interesting filmography himself uh jack lemon i like him in glengarry glenn ross Mm -hmm. put that coffee down coffees for closers (laughs) it's just this old man who has to sell his soul to just put food on the table yeah Yeah, you're right jack lemon's pretty great Honorable mention to anybody for you? Uh well I mentioned McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Um I did think I did maybe consider Pacino. That'd be pretty cool because he's just so he's just so out there. I try to think of people that were animated or would just be interesting to see them play themselves. Um not with everyone. I want to see that with
0: everybody. You know the one I don't want to see to that? Yeah. I don't want to see the Christian Bale. <laughs> you wanna talk about a morose think piece. <laughs> Ooh. Too much, too way much, way too much. Yeah, unless he freaks out like he did in that poor cameraman. On the oh my Batman.
1: god, that's one of the best moments <laughs> ever. Uh,
0: uh,
1: this has been a lot of fun sure talking was. about uh, <laughs> and the movie wasn't great, but seeing it was a lot of fun and breaking it down was, was just as fun. So, two more weeks of the cage. Uh, so I'm gonna pick next week, but you're up first. What are we gonna? cage vehicle are we going to dive into
0: next week's movie i talked about four or five times today we're going to watch them get really really loaded national treasure (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's national treasure (laughs) now we're leaving las vegas next week buddy sweet yeah oh this will be a lot of watch for you right yeah i haven't seen it sweet we'll do it together yeah
1: okay we'll watch it and yeah and then next week and then got some more stuff coming out on the horizon so this will be a lot of fun we do So cheers to you. Cheers to you. I got to get going. I'm going to go get in uh, my Nicolas Cage uh, prop room that I have over here, and I'm just going to pull out some better props, maybe something from Raising Arizona, something from Wild at Heart, which is a hard movie to find. Uh, I think that was a film we talked about doing, but... You can't even like rent it anywhere. It has like an out of print Blu ray. Like, come on, Criterion, put that thing out for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to pull out some better
0: Nick Cage props than this film did. I'd love to go in that room and check with you, but I got to get out of here, man. I have an interview at Sonic in like 10 minutes.
1: (laughs) Hey, make me a cherry limeade,
0: Matt. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark.
1: Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. The unbearable weight of massive talent is property of Lionsgate, Saturn Films, and Burr Productions. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time. Cheers. Can you just stop stalling and answer the question? What is your third favorite movie of all time? Paddington 2. What? Cabinet of Dr. Calgary, Paddington 2. Connect those dots. I mean I don't want to be a snob, but. I cried through the entire thing and made me want to be a better man. Bullshit, Mom! Ma. <laughs> <laughs> Heading into is incredible.
2: I fucking told you.